Everybody, how are you this morning? I, I see familiar faces. How are you, Pastor Valley? And I think I saw Mr. Ivan Daniels. Yes, my word. I've seen this man at strategic times in my life. I'm sorry, this is an in-house moment in your house. I'm sorry. So I, I just I saw you here. I didn't realize that you were here. And I was thinking back maybe 20 odd years ago. You, you must be careful what you do in public. <laughs> so I think we were doing some street ministry or train ministry. And I did not see you. You saw me. And then you called me later on that day and said, I saw you, and I thought maybe I was preaching heresy, but you called just to encourage me, and so it's so encouraging for me to see you here again. God bless you, sir. Uh, I grew up in front of, of this man, and then in ministry, I spent many years as a young minister. This man was, was watching what I was doing, so all eyes are on me. I am very encouraged this morning while we were praying. Um, I had this impression of the Constantiaburg mountains, these beautiful mountains that surround you here. And I saw these streams flowing down as we were praying, and the trees at the top of the mountain were looking all green and flourishing. And the verse that came to mind was the one that you just read, Shelley. Um, Psalm 92, just from verse 12, and so this is for you. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. And so I, I want to encourage you to be that, stay that. And as the waters flow from the mountain down, may your waters, the waters of life, flow on you, in you, and through you, and all the way down to the to the, to the flatlands, to the coast, the coast where there's so much need for God's rain, God's water, God's blessing. Amen. Amen. Good. I'm just checking you out because I know you're checking me out also. You don't know me, I don't know you, so that's what, that's what strangers do. Good morning. I'm Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Kuris. I'm originally from Ocean View, born and raised there, spent most of my, my decades there. Um, and that's, as Shelley said, that's where we met. Uh, my wife, Tanya, couldn't be here this morning with our family, uh, partly because we, uh, we've just adopted a son. He, he's 11 months old. He um, runs the house. And, <laughs> and so it, it, it's just a little bit tricky uh, getting out here early, but they will be with us. At, uh, at the 10 o'clock service. So if you want to stay for that to meet my son, you're welcome to do that. Um, and we, it's been a long journey for us as we felt the Lord lead us down, down this new road of adoption. And, and finally, we are here. We met him uh, on the 6th of August. And so it's, it's, a, it's a new journey for us. But the Lord has been very gracious to us in helping him just adapt and bond and attach with us as a family and us with him. And so uh, keep, keep us in your thoughts and in your prayers as we journey this new road together. We do have three other children. I say I've, I've been in full-time youth ministry. I don't know what you are. I see you in children's ministry. I've been in full-time youth ministry for the past uh, five years now, four or five years. My daughter is 
uh, going 17 next month, and my son is 14, so it's youth from 6 in the morning till whenever I'm able to get, get the youth program to end at night. Um, and then I have an 11-year-old as well. So I'm, I'm not the brave one, Shelly. It's my wife. Great. Let's, let's get into God's Word. I'm very excited to share with you what uh, I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for you this morning. It's exciting to hear that as a church you are journeying through a, 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 an extended passage of Scripture together, uh, that being the Sermon of the Mount. And so I'm going to read to you just our text for this morning, just so that we get straight into the, into the Scriptures, and then we'll share a little bit. So would you turn in your Bibles, or I'm not sure if it will be up on the screen, Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse 5 to verse 15. Okay. Um, okay, so if you're following along there, it's going to be on the fifth page. Or would that be the fourth? It's the fourth page. Fourth slide. All right, Matthew 6 from 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who sees in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not, be, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither Will your Father forgive your trespasses? Let's pray. Father, as we listen to the words of your Son and as we bow our hearts under the leading and the power and the authority of your Spirit, will you speak to us? And will you speak to change us so that we can be agents of change? Lord, we pray that you will take each of us deeper into intimacy with you so that our lives will be lives of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you've been chatting for a while now and listening and learning about a new way to live. And this morning we want to speak specifically about one aspect of this new way to live and that being our prayer lives. And I'm calling it the disciples' prayer life. Because really this message or this sermon, as it is often called, the Sermon on the Mount, is framed in the context of discipleship. 
And I'll tell you why I say that in a moment. When Jesus teaches all of these truths, he's really summing it up. And I'm sure you would have picked this up from other speakers who've come before me and who will come after me. He's really saying that in the kingdom of God, a heart that is right with God and right with people leads to a right way of life before God and before people. I see people nodding. <laughs> okay? Really what Jesus is doing here, he's, he's giving his disciples and those in his hearing a manifesto, like a policy document, on kingdom living. He's giving them the basis, the constitution for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In, in other words, he's, he's giving them, it's like he's giving them the identity document. He's giving them the DNA that defines a disciple. And, and why I say that is because of the little preamble to the sermon. If you go all the way back, and you might have covered this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, before he starts with the Beatitudes, th there's this picture of the setting. That's how we know it's up on a mountain somewhere. But what's, what's very striking is something that we often miss. The, the text says that the disciples come to Jesus, and then he sits down, and he opens his mouth, and he begins to say to them. So this is really Jesus discipling his new followers into what it means to live this new way of life. And when we start thinking about this message and everything in the sermon as framed in the context of discipleship, then it has something to do with our discipleship, our growth as his followers. And it also has something to say about our making other disciples. And so we want to think about that and we want to hold that in the back of our minds as we think of prayer this morning. How am I growing as a disciple in prayer? And how am I helping others grow as disciples in the area of their prayer lives? Is that good? Well, you can't say no. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about. So it's just, that's what's going to happen. So, so in Matthew 6, the the wider context of Matthew 6, just very quickly, there are these three things that strike me in this passage. They are repeated, and they are this phrase. It comes up in Matthew 6 verse 4. It comes up again in verse 6, and it comes up again later beyond our passage this morning in verse 18. And it's this phrase. It says, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you. Some translations say, will himself reward you openly. There's this picture that God rewards. God even openly rewards. God rewards for good works. God rewards in our passage this morning, he rewards prayer. And then beyond our passage, Matthew 6 also teaches us that God rewards fasting. What is this idea of the reward? Let's look at that for a moment. What is the Father's reward? How will the Father reward Jesus' disciples? In fact, he says he will reward them for what happens in the secret. He will reward them for their, their secret prayer lives. I believe that that reward will come in two ways. 
I believe it's, it's got to do with how the kingdom comes. I believe that that reward will come one day in what we call the kingdom, not yet. One day when we are transformed and we are in the next life and we are with the king in the king's eternal presence forever, we will be rewarded for our prayer lives. But I also believe that as it is with the kingdom, there's something about this side of the grave, something about this particular manifestation of God's kingdom that brings with it a reward. God will reward us in the kingdom now already for our prayer lives. How will God reward us? What is the Father's reward for prayer? And that's what I'd like us to explore some more this morning. So we've read the passages, so we can jump down to the seventh slide. There we go. Look at that. Okay, so this is how I summarize just very briefly um, what Jesus seems to be saying here. Prayer is way more than a religious task. Amen? God longs to reward our prayers. He's not just looking at our religiosity and our empty service. In fact, he contrasts those who pray empty prayers with how he longs for his disciples to pray. And Jesus shows us here in this passage that God knows our hearts and our needs. So empty babbling is kind of pointless. It's not going to impress God or move him. But what God wants, Jesus shows us here, is to see and to hear our prayerful dependence. Religious hypocrites, hypocrites want to be seen by people. And Jesus says something very, very interesting. He says, and that is the reward. I love that. Religious hypocrites want to be seen by people, and that is the reward. Disciples of Jesus want to be seen by the Father. And that is their reward. They will be seen by the Father as they go deeper into prayer. The Father's pleasure. The Father's approval. Does that sound familiar? This makes me think of Jesus on the day of his baptism receiving the approval of the Father. The Father looking down at Jesus saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father's reward. You cannot hide the blessings and the benefits, and this is where we're going. You cannot hide the blessings, you cannot hide the benefits of an intimate, secret, and personal prayer life. It will show even though no one saw you pray. There is a Father's reward. And I believe that the Father's reward for our secret prayer lives is actually in some very interesting way unpacked by Jesus when he explains how and why we should pray. I believe that the Father's reward is not simply that God will answer our prayers. Oh, yes, he will, and that is definitely part of the reward. But I want to suggest to you that there is more to the Father's reward than simply him answering our prayers. 
I believe that this Father's reward that Jesus talks about that is available for those who have a secret and intimate prayer life includes the Father's heart and knowing His heart. It includes knowing and seeing His holiness. It includes having His wisdom to know His will. The Father's reward, I want to suggest to you, includes not just knowing His will, but also finding in prayer the power to do His will. This is is beyond just simply getting my prayers answered. Yes, it includes His provision, but it also includes knowing His forgiveness. Knowing His forgiveness for my sin, And then finding his power over sin, power over temptation. It includes having his praise in my heart and on my lips. And this reward is really fully seen in his kingdom come and his will be done forever in my life. I want to suggest to you that the Father's reward is more than just a life where all my prayers are answered. But it's the reward of a, of a life that looks like Jesus. It's the reward of a life who looks like the Son of God in His life when He walked this earth. That's the Father's reward. And that's a new way to live. It's definitely a different way of praying. So, Let's, let's, let's look at what is often called, from verse 9 onwards, what is often called, what is it called? Our Father, what do we call that? The Lord's Prayer, okay? I want to suggest to you that maybe we can frame that a little bit differently and call it the Disciples' Prayer. Because when we put this in the context of Jesus is teaching His disciples, then maybe this is what He wants us to learn as His disciples, So I'm just going to unpack a few of these uh, thoughts briefly. Firstly, this idea of our Father. I like to see it as, can can we go to there? I like to see this as the family aspect of prayer. And I say prayer is a family conversation. Can you say that with me? Prayer is a family conversation. What do we mean? Who's the family? Well, firstly, when you read the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of John, then you begin to see this picture of the intimate relationship between Jesus, the Son, and His Heavenly Father. And Jesus has always, for all eternity, had this intimate family, Father to Son, Son to Father relationship. You see that expressed in His prayer life. You see that expressed in how He speaks. Clearly what He says comes from a secret place of prayer and intimacy with the Father. And then Jesus comes, and you see this throughout the Gospel of John. Jesus invites others into the relationship that He has always shared with the Father. Jesus invites me into that relationship. And so I become part of His family. And so His Father becomes my Father too. 
It's a beautiful picture of salvation. But it is also most often expressed by Jesus in prayer. Now Jesus teaches his disciples to say, when you pray, pray our Father. So it's a family conversation because we get to participate in the intimacies of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And what was previously secret to them can now be made known to us. We can, as it were, sit at their table, listen to their conversations, and even have something to say. What an amazing privilege. But it's more than that. Jesus doesn't just invite me into a relationship with him and the relationship and the intimacy that he shared with his father. But in this relationship, I find that there are other sisters and brothers who also share a relationship with the Father. And so my prayers are not only to God, but my prayers now also become prayers for others. Because he's our Father too. Not just mine and Jesus. But it is all my pastor. And so prayer becomes this family conversation where the father reveals family issues, the heart of his son. He reveals family issues, the heart and the mind of his spirit. He reveals family issues, the burdens of other siblings. Western civilization has made us very selfish. We tend to be very me-focused. But the new way of life teaches us that even our faith needs to be corporate and communal. I'm not saying that prayer is not personal. It's definitely personal, but it's not private. There are things that will come up and well up in and out of our prayer life that do not concern us because he's our father. Prayer is definitely intimate, but it's not individualistic. It can't just be for me and my. It has to be for the things that concern our Father. But prayer is also worship. Prayer is also worship. It's this idea of Jesus teaching his disciples that the name of Jesus is holy. And so he says, holy is your name. And in prayer, we begin to realize the holiness of God. We begin to see God for who he is, and we begin to make our prayers for his name. And his name's sake, not for ours. So he says, holy is your name. In prayer, we begin to make his name and the cause of his name greater than our names. We put aside our agendas and we begin to pursue his. If I'm struggling to pursue God's agenda, maybe I'm not praying enough. Prayer is also about the next slide, kingdom advancement. This is the idea of Jesus saying to his disciples, when you pray, pray your kingdom come, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying that kingdom advancement is really going to happen through prayer. Now, obviously, there's work to be done, but sadly, I find in my own life, I'll just speak for me, a lot of what I call kingdom work is done, I'm just going to say it, without prayer. If I'm doing the work of the kingdom 
without prayer and Jesus says, pray that the kingdom comes. Something's missing. Something's, I've got something wrong. And so when we pray, we pray, like I said earlier, both to discern his will, but we also pray for power to do his will. I want to take a moment here, just very briefly, because we have the privilege of being in a place where there are other believers, so it's our family before our Father. And there's a kind of a faith here that we don't often find when we are alone in our secret places. And so I want to take a moment just to ask you to go into your secret place. It's not quite the same. You don't have the soft cushion that you have back home. But just for a moment, can we be quiet and just ask God afresh to help us discern His will? Lord, help me discern your will. In some area where I need clarity, where I need guidance, where I need to know specifically your will for my life. Can we just take a moment and ask him to show us his will? Father, we would say, as Samuel speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Would you just uh, turn to one person next to you or somewhere beside you, and would you just briefly pray with them and pray for them, for the continued discerning of his will, and also for power to do his will. Because when he shows us, then we need the power and the courage to do it. Can I ask you to do that? Just very briefly. Thank you, Jesus, that you introduce us to a father who does not keep secrets, but who reveals the secret things to his children, to the followers of Jesus. Continue to reveal your will to our hearts and continue to give us the power as we pray, Lord. Power to do your will. Power to see your kingdom come, your rule and your reign come in and through our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for, for praying for, for our family and our Father's house.
quickly now as we bring things together. Now, obviously, we're treading ground that you've tread a thousand times, so it's always difficult because we tend to miss things when we walk down the road that we've walked down before. But prayer is also a means to provision. God wants to use our prayers as a, a, like a channel of blessing, a tool to get what we need to us. God knows what we need. God knows what we need even before we ask it. But prayer is the bridge that gets the stuff that we need from God to us. It is that simple. And yet, I'm very task-driven. So I'd rather work for stuff than stop and pray. It's just a thing that needs to be discipled out of me. God, God help us all. Prayer is the means to provision. Prayer is also a means, let's not miss this one, to forgiveness. So in prayer we find the forgiveness for our sins. And so Jesus says, no, come. Come to the Father and pray. Say, forgive us our sins, Lord. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us the things that we have the Anglicans like to say, left undone. Things that we have done wrong, and things that we should have done that we have not done. Things that we owe. Forgive us our sin. But, but if prayer is a means to experience forgiveness, then we will also find our prayers work well when we are not just receiving forgiveness, but also giving forgiveness. Give. For, can you hear that? Give, forgive. There's something in forgiveness that speaks to our need to give. To give something away. To let go of something. To be generous. To be kind. To be merciful. To treat someone else better than they deserve to be treated. Not going to get that right outside of a life that is bathed in prayer. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. But prayer is also, Jesus teaches us here, spiritual warfare. It's not just a tool to meet our needs. It's not just a means for forgiveness. It's not just power to do God's will and see his kingdom come. But it's also this recognition that there are other powers at work. And sometimes I, speak for myself, become blinded to these, I become blinded by other things. And I'm blinded to the fact that there are other forces, evil forces, satanic forces at work in my life, around me, around my family, in my work, in my world, in my community. And, and prayer actually sensitizes me to these realities. I become aware of the powers of evil. I also become aware of the powers of evil to bring personal temptation to me. And I become more alert. Jesus would say, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Prayer sensitizes us to the spirit world. And so prayer becomes this powerful tool for us to resist evil, for us to be led away from temptation. Help us to pray, Lord. And then finally, praise. Praise, it's the the. Some of the older King James translations have that, that phrase, like if you read the Our Father and then it doesn't have that, then you feel like something's gone. It's the thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So the original manuscripts didn't have that, but it kind of sounds good, and it's true. So, so prayer is praise. 
it's 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 the it gives us the language to be able to live a life that says yours is the power yours is the kingdom yours is the glory so just a, a reflection as we close if we can have that last slide up are we praying like pharisees or disciples and if we are praying as disciples as jesus taught us to pray and to live these prayer lives then Disciples grow. Are we growing in prayer as disciples? Then personally, am I seeing at least some of God's reward for my prayer life? Not just a simple answer to prayer, but a completely transformed new way of life as a result of my prayer life. And then if I'm learning to pray as a disciple, then I should be also discipling someone else to pray. Because that would be very Christ-like. So who am I discipling to pray? Father, as we reflect on these thoughts and as you apply these truths to our hearts and our lives, would you move us to action, Lord? Move us to kingdom action. Move us to a new way of life. And, and, and may we become models. I pray for those that are struggling in their prayer lives, those, those that are unable to focus in that secret place, those that have become discouraged, who have been holding on to you, praying for something, and the answers are just not coming. God, I ask that you will be very kind and very gracious. I thank you that you are the God who rewards prayer. And I ask that as we model lives of prayer, a new way of life, may we also teach others through our example. And through our specific experiences, Lord, may we teach others to pray. Just as you did, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.